0: ready to tap into the minds of the founding fathers of SEO. Rocket, rocket to the next generation of Search Engine Optimization 3.0 with traffic that will put your website into a head-on collision. Decades of combined SEO expertise give their take on the world of SEO. Now, here are the princes of PageRank, the heroes of HTML, the sultans of search, the SEO, SEO rock, stars. rock stars.
1: And sent. Always one last email. Right before the rock stars got to do some work. Hello and welcome, everyone. This is Chris Boggs, your co-host with the great Frank Watson, and we are here today to talk about SEO and rock and roll. Right, Frank?
2: It's absolutely. We've got some interesting stuff. We had uh, SMX last week, and uh, there's a few things shaking in the industry. So uh, we've got a lot to talk about.
1: Yes, we do. Uh, the You know, the one thing that we're not really going to cover today, because we're still waiting for the dust to settle, and we covered it last week, was the um, recent uh, Is It or Isn't It an Update? Is It or Isn't It Panda? Uh, but today is the 28th of March, uh, so thank you for anyone joining us uh, live on Cranberry.fm. And those of you listening on uh, the podcast, we appreciate that as well. So let's get right into it. Uh, Search Engine Land, uh, the proud co owners or partners with the runners of the now revived Google Dance that happened at SMX last week. Uh, very exciting to see pictures of Google Dance happening again, huh, Frank? Yeah, the sad thing is, uh, you know, I didn't get a t shirt because I wasn't there, and that ended my uh,
2: daughter's run of uh, a collection.
1: Well, last year either, right? Uh, no, I had them. I had them for a while, um, for uh, um, a number of them, and I, I still wear them occasionally, even with the holes under the arms. But um, it's also sad to see that it seems to have gotten a little smaller, uh, and not as much of a just huge fest of money thrown around everywhere by Google as it used to be. But I guess uh, the more that your investors, you know, look at you, the more you got to be careful about those kind of parties. Um, But some great content that came out of search engine land from the SMX West going on uh, that um, uh, Google Dance uh, was attached to somewhat. And uh, Danny Sullivan, of course, the uh, I think probably the original uh, person that talked Google into that and talked them back into it. So good on him. Uh, Great coverage from Greg Gifford on March 27th of the session on Harnessing the Power of Online Reviews. Um, and, uh, Frank, uh, some good content in here and, and certainly um, a few no-brainers. Amazon's the king of reviews, uh, but I think uh, some good stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the big insight is we're, we're moving from that trusted, okay, what does the website say, what does you know, review sites like Yelp, et cetera, they what, what they're starting to show is that, you know, especially with millennials, they they want user information that's a little bit independent. They, you know, there's a lot of uh, people asking, and I, I know I do it, whether I'm in a, a particular group on Skype or on Facebook, when I want recommendations, I reach out there. And I think that form of review is starting to become you know, whether you want to call it underground or person to person, however you're going to term it, there is a shifting in the way that we look at reviews and the impact that reviews have.
1: Yeah. And and there's some great case studies in this article, too, in terms of how a single pissed off person can really ruin your day as a business. Uh, But it can also flip in in some cases. So, you know, I've seen more recently, and, and I think that's even within our own industry, you know, people using their weight as per se or their perceived uh, influence online um, to uh, try to bully some brands, even and 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 you know go to their pages and 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 or uh, you know leave bad reviews, and and you can see that happening even you know, within our industry, I think. And and, and certainly um, that differs in a way or in a big way, you know, a threat of, uh, you know, from someone that like people in SEO that understand the power of reviews, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, I think. And and I'm very hesitant to leave a bad review unless I really feel like the place deserves it. And I want to steer people away from it because that is what happens. And that's what this article, I you know, some of the Uh, causality of reviews are vital for success, I'm sure could be argued. But I would say that by all means, um, you know, the businesses that have more reviews are getting more exposure. And there's no such thing as a bad review problem, as the article also states, Frank.
2: Yeah, well, there isn't if you respond to it. And I mean, that's something that obviously you and, and myself have been telling Clients along the way that get reviews is the only way that you can deal with that and and keep your reputation intact is if you reply to them. And, you know, you're never going to be 100 percent great. You know, you are going to get those reviews because something went wrong. And but if you respond to it and you show that, you know, you're aware of it and you'd like to try and do something about it, um, that strengthens your brand. You know, that shows that, okay, you know, it gives you a leg up over the other people that do nothing and just let those reviews sit there.
1: One to do that I happen to still have open in a window here is to create a link for customers to write reviews. Go to Google My Business Help. Uh, there's a, there's an answer, 703-5772, or just type in create a link for customers to write reviews. And you need a Google Places uh, ID, but anyone can do it. Uh, it looks much more threatening than it is. And it'll allow you to create a link. And I had a client ask me, you know, how do I send... Um, you know, do I have to send them to Google to say, search my name and then click reviews? And I, um, you know, the, the suggestion that I had was to bring them to your Google places, uh, URL and shorten it first, uh, with Bitly. But this is another opportunity through GMB where you can actually create a link, uh, for customers to write reviews for you. And, uh, uh, certainly, a good opportunity and tied in. No, but we got to move along to the next topic here. Um, the next session that we were covering, and now my uh, uh, frozenness is happening, is uh, the definitive guide to local search ranking factors, uh, which um, is uh, certainly a similar topic that we wanted to cover. Um, I think uh, there's a great couple examples in here, Frank, of REI, Home Depot, and Whole Foods.
2: Yeah, you know, and I mean that's the thing. It's getting if you're a business, a located business, and you're not an online store or whatever, you really do need to be able to improve your location page. You know, the, your presence online and 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 be aware of what's going on. So, the uh, uh, anything that you can find as far as you know, working with the local uh, algorithm and and just better practices is something that every SEO should have in their back pocket to be able to help smaller clients or even clients that have a large number of franchises.
1: The other thing, too, is the optimization of Google My Business uh, that um, Shotland points out. Um, which, by the way, is uh, this, this article is based on uh, presentation and, and of the findings of this year's local search ranking study from Moz, uh, to be clear. And um, one of the things that's covered is also the MAP pack ranking uh, and the factors for it. it. includes GMB authority, in quotes, correlation with pack rankings, uh, more reviews, those with photos and those with search keyword in the actual business name will rank higher according to that data so um, you know I think that it's it's sort of the obvious hitting you in the face um, and but it does require a lot of T's and dotting eyes Frank
2: yeah and you know I mean obviously you've got to be aware of the fact that it's always good to now add near me to uh, certain pages. Uh, type of thing or near uh, uh, the location name, that type of thing uh, helps. So yeah, this this one's good. It goes through a bunch of stuff. It goes through the Moz factors, and uh, Andrew, it, with without a doubt, has got to be considered, you know, up there when it comes to uh, information and knowledge about local SEO. Yep.
1: That's Andrew Shotland. Uh, yes. So. Um, and the articles by Greg Gifford at Search Engine Land as well from March twenty fourth, covering the SMX conference. So and there's value. to it.
2: Yeah, I mean, just before we jump on this, there's value to this because if you don't get to the conference, it's really good of the people that are covering these and giving us, you know, live streaming or de- delayed information that gives detail, so that you know you can pick up some facts and and, and some new things and, and to add to your repertoire.
1: Agree. But let's move along. <laughs> One quick hit uh, from the SEM Post, uh, actually a, a bit of an interesting article, I guess you could call it, uh, from the 27th. How Google chooses people also search for in knowledge panels. Uh, the question came up at SMX week uh, last week, um, according to Jennifer um, and uh, Jennifer Sleg, obviously the um, editor and owner of the SEM Post. Uh, and someone that we cover here very frequently. Um, in the in the knowledge graph, says Gary Elish, every entity has a rough category. And I'm assuming we are using that rough category to provide that information. So yeah. it really does say, I am assuming. So he did stress that he wasn't 100% sure, but based on how closely related most businesses tend to be, it seems fairly likely that this is indeed the way Google selects it. Um, I have seen... Um, problems with, uh, you know, businesses that uh, are, uh, you know, people also search for that are certainly cleared up by SEO, right? And and making Google better aware of what it is you do by simply uh, updating your page title to say uh, what you do instead of home. Um, so I think that people that, uh, you know, have problems with the people also search for being not related to their business. It's based more often on fundamental SEO mistakes, wouldn't you say, Frank?
2: That and and the thing is, I think there the Google is refining this because I've I've seen them where you're doing a search around some sort of business, and then towards the bottom of that uh, the knowledge panel, you're you're seeing you know also look for how does Rihanna dress or something. You know, I mean, it's some really bizarre. Completely unrelated questions in those boxes. So I don't know whether it's the the how the hell is that being categorized? You know, to to make it there. So I think that categorization thing, while it may hold
1: true, needs to be tested more. I mean, if I was going to guess, and mine would be more on based on link signals, right? And and like uh, co-citation of brand across other. You know, documents that have multiple brands listed. I don't know. It, it just, uh, I guess, categorization makes sense too. But um, I don't know. It seems like a, there's a lot of other opportunities for Google to uh, refine something like that, uh, than simply yes, just tossing it into it, it, a category.
2: It, you know, I mean, words that that go together. Yeah. You know, you you're gonna find content that way. You know, the but we do know that Google does categorize information. So uh, that's correct. Just how they're doing it. We need to get a little deeper. We've got to get uh, Gary and John drunk somewhere and ply it out of them.
1: <laughs> there you go. That's a good idea. Listen, we're going to take a break to hear from our wonderful sponsors here on cranberry.fm. Stay with us here on SEO Rockstar.
0: We'll be back with more
3: SEO Rockstars right after this. Check out exclusive listener pricing for Cranberry Radio listeners by going to bit.ly slash founder Circle.
4: Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix,
0: cranberry radio we're everywhere find our shows on iheart radio itunes stitcher soundcloud and anywhere you download your podcasts pick out some new favorite podcasts now now let's get back to jamming
1: and spamming
0: with the seo rock stars
1: I prefer the term jamming and researching. I think that SEOs are maligned too often for spam. site's positioned above mine. That's what my favorite spam is. There you go. So noteworthy findings from Search Engine Journal. I like this uh, study from Eugene Fagan, um, published on March 27th, Understanding the Quick Answers Box. Um, and, um, you know, there's a lot of sort of prep, uh, for, for those that are, uh, interested in the methodology at the top end. Uh, but, you know, getting into the meat, uh, the noteworthy findings were, you know, for people that are searching for featured snippets, searches like how to, or what is, or best, or the price, cost, and, and, uh, just for something for something um, you know that's when these featured snippets are, are additional search results that are uh, um, I guess you could say elevated uh, in a box above uh, and and the other organic search results uh, and and they're certainly a target of people um, and he's found some winners across each of these categories and I think that's pretty um, it's not surprising but I guess it's yeah I mean I've seen a lot of different, websites represented in these featured snippets. And I guess I don't just do enough how to or what is or best or whatever types of searches that yield to these huge brands that are found, Frank.
2: Yeah. But I mean, this particular study concentrates specifically on e-commerce. Yeah. So, you know, depending on what you're looking for and and, and how uh, you're your wording those searches is definitely going to impact it. I mean, it's interesting because we are getting to this stage, at, you know, beyond And we've been mentioning this quite a bit over the last few months is you know the use of audio search and I think you know there are now some sort of synergy between just regular typed in search and how they you know pull responses along with you know how they're doing it for audio you know so what and how are becoming a lot more important and you know the the bigger websites on the e-commerce level they've been using that for quite a while because they've got endless pages of what is so-and-so and then and because of the huge number of products that they have, they, you know, it, it just repeats itself. So they get become authoritative maybe on answering specific questions like that, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think probably each of these, um, you know, when we're talking about Lowe's and home Depot and eBay that all have literally thousands of these featured snippets based on this research and then, um you know what is ebay one with more than 300 uh best one with more than uh, amazon one with more than 1100 amazon and walmart for price amazon for cost you know these are all big boys so if you look at a study like this and you're a, a small guy hoping for a featured snippet it might be a little bit disheartening but frankly like i said a lot of the research that i do across industries i'm not seeing you know this and this is limited to e-commerce but it does go to show and my point is that each of these big brands has done a good job of developing content that is meant to be user navigated right and it's meant to find like through the help sections and stuff like that it all leads back to certain pages and 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 in some ways it's probably done by accident and more for user experience than for featured snippets, uh, but it's resulted in, in this kind of a domination uh, by these big brands. I think
2: the one thing he didn't mention is whether or not there was schema use for any of this. You know, I, I personally, I'm I'm becoming a, a huge proponent of uh, using schema to be able to pop into uh, these knowledge boxes.
1: So yeah, I you know I think that um, sorry I just distracted for a second there, um, th- you know the research too uh, focuses on again e-commerce. So I'd love you know for people to say hey do this for for other stuff too. So um, th- but the all the methodology is right here. So feel free. Uh, and by the way, this is a BrightEdge Edge uh, Data Cube uh, study. I should have mentioned that. I just noticed that that's the source and and BrightEdge is certainly one of the top players in the uh, enterprise SEO space in terms of the type of data that they have access to and uh, the types of, uh, you know, R&D that they're doing within their tool. So uh, good stuff. Let's move along to another search engine journal article. This time, uh, 46 questions to assess SEO candidates' knowledge. I love this one, Frank. I also like the yeah, owl. Oh, yeah, I, mean,
2: I love Stoney. <laughs> it, this one's by Stoney to get getter, yeah. I believe.
1: And certainly a, a good source of, of questions for SEO candidates. Uh, I think we all could be. Uh, and, and we need lists like this, though, uh, because you know they help to um, you know, define people's not only experience with SEO, but their ethos and 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 the way that they think about marketing in general
2: yeah and, and i mean it's funny i mean the one question that sort of threw me briefly was what is the difference between a search engine friendly and search engine optimized website and i'm sort of i, I looked that. at it and it you, you know what i mean there, there are sometimes the words just don't filter in straight away but you know i mean that was clever because yeah, you can you can be searching. I use that
1: friendly, all the time.
2: Page load speed, etc. But you know, optimizing it specifically around particular keywords and and, and intent and things like that are completely different.
1: Yeah, I mean, in, in consulting and in pro, you know, in projects, it's very easy to split the two as well. I mean, uh, you know, search engine friendly does require search engine optimization research. I think in terms of guiding navigational elements and sitemap. You know, words and stuff like that. But you know, really, it's mostly technical SEO that can be done during a migration and, and um, it has to do with making the site search engine friendly. And if somebody has to carve off budget, a lot of times it becomes a good way to you know, sub-sell it. Like, okay, don't buy the whole SEO campaign right now, but at least buy search engine friendly. I think that's another reason that it's a useful uh, difference between the two.
2: Yeah. I mean, things like explain page rank. I, I mean, that one I love because I, I use the whole Larry Page, Page's rank to explain to people exactly what it all means and how, how you know, Google started their their methodology. So, I mean, having that shows that you've got a little bit more knowledge than, you know, just covering the latest. They They have questions here about asking about What do you think was the latest impact, uh, you know, of Google's algorithm? So, you know, are you keeping up with what's going on? Uh, This is really good. I mean, if you're just breaking into the industry and you're going on an interview, I would be reading this and trying to find answers to it. You know, they're saying, what are the five most important on-page optimization factors, the off-page optimization factors, that sort of stuff. It just gives you, you know and having that knowledge in your head before yeah. you go into an And interview. the 1 to
1: 10 scale, too, you know, I'll, there's a scale of 1 to 10, like group of four or five questions about mobile-friendly site, how important is it, uh, site speed, site security, HTTPS, validated HTML, CSS. And, you know, if, if you're going through this and thinking about it, um, it's gonna prepare you for a, a, any kind of questions um, when you're trying to prioritize certain things and uh, you know um, you know there talks about algorithms versus penalties and and uh, long tail or short tail keywords. this a great list uh, and there's uh, a number of um, of great ideas here so you know for interviewers, another Thing that I've recommended in the past, and then you could use as sort of a structure and a guide. You could use this and make it almost a checklist of things: uh, Are these people covering this? But you can give them an assignment instead too. And there's the old bed, bath, and beyond uh, uh, assignment that I used to give um, when working in agencies, and and really doesn't matter. What level SEO you're hiring? Because you're going to expect uh, the presentation when they come in to be, you know, commensurate with what they're supposed to know, right? So if a director's coming in, they better give you ten or fifteen minutes of pretty good intermediate to advanced level SEO catches that, uh, you know, at least back then, a site like Bed Bath and Beyond delivered, uh, you know, buckets full of recommendations. So <laughs> if you had, uh, you know, uh, somebody who's relatively junior, they would at least catch that, you know, they're not using this or they're not using that. And, and they should be able to then uh, eloquently state what they would do. Right. So I think it was a great tactic. To really determine uh, if someone was cut, especially for a position where they would be facing clients and and communicating with clients, uh, whether they could come in and give you a ten minute presentation, uh, and it also showed if people wanted to do uh, the, if the wanted the job, right? You could tell the people that had put eight to ten hours into it versus the people that might have put twenty minutes into it and ran a few screenshots from SEM Rush. So. Um, another thing to think about, but a great topic, you know, when you're hiring or, uh, interviewing for SEO, uh, Frank, any more on that one? Because I do, there is a kind of a connected topic, I think, uh, in a way, uh, because yeah, I mean, the, it, it, the next question could be, uh, uh, on SSLs, what should you do today? <laughs> and see <laughs> if someone would get that. <laughs> but would go ahead. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. I mean, the article itself is really good. I think. Uh, you know, to add to it, it would be listen to our podcast on a regular basis so that you stay in front of the curve. And staying in front of the curve, if you're aware of uh, last week, Google came out with an announcement that uh, they are no longer trusting the uh, Symantec uh, SSL certificates because they've been having some problems with it. And the, the article that I sent over to you is over at Namecheap and. Um, <clears throat> there there's a lot of problems you know, and and semantic literally I don't know you know how it's all going to play but um, they own a large portion of the SSL certificate market and um, for Google to push back and say like hey you're uh, you've got some problems with your process and and they're going to you know, no longer give them the green bar and Chrome browsers and things like that um, it, it if you have an e-commerce site, or if you've got an SSL certificate, you may wanna be checking out what's going on and and read this article over at Namecheap. It's uh, blog.namecheap.com. Update to Komodo SSLs today.
1: And that's from March 24th, 2017. Uh, The other thing I was gonna comment on it is the green bar part. And and I think it's an important thing because what it's saying is that Um, the data will remain secure if you're using semantic SSL, but it's Chrome that's saying, you know, we, we want you to foot the, uh, you know, foot the line, like you said, like you described Frank. Um, but, um, it's, they're going to take away the green bar and, and they've discussed Namecheap has discussed on their blog before that 84% of customers will abandon a transaction if they feel the connection is not secure. 84, if they feel the connection's not secure, why is that not 100%, first of all? But yeah, secondly, that's, that's, that's well, obvious. Just don't bother looking. You know, but if that. they feel, no, but it says if they feel the connection's not secure, oh, it's okay. It'll be all right this time. Uh, I need this form. Exactly. I can
2: always charge <laughs> back on my credit
1: card. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, listen, on that one, we do have to take another break to hear from our wonderful sponsors here at SEO Rockstars. And also, don't forget to check us out at Facebook.com slash SEO Rockstars and Twitter SEO Rockstars. So stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: We'll be back with more SEO Rockstars right after this.
4: can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E-Digital.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen.
0: energize your search engine education from 101 to rock star level only on cranberry radio cranberry.fm Let's get back to jamming and spamming with
1: the SEO rock stars. Oh yeah, we're back. Yes, we are, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> These types of pages can waste crawl budgets. <laughs> so Google's algo removes some sites' search results pages from index. This is according to Jennifer Sleg, March 27th, over at the SCM Post. Uh, an excellent coverage of um, some interesting insight that Gary Illich uh, revealed, this time um, on pages that are internal search pages, right? If somebody comes in and, and performs a search um, and then they get a list of results on your site, um, there's ways that Google can either accidentally um, or purposefully crawl these site uh, pages. um uh, what Gary's saying is that essentially they've made it so that uh, the machine can not only see that their internal search pages, but also remove them from the index. So it's kind of becoming, I guess, almost, uh, it reminds me of what's that movie, The Judge, uh, Judge Dredd, with uh, what's it called? he can be the judge and the so executioner. And,
2: uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's understandable because and and that's the thing it's it's like those endless archive pages and things like that that are just numbers etc and and are constantly floating um, in this case if you have specific search results pages that you want to index there's no reason why you can't do a search get the URL and then place the URL you know in to uh, to a content page where here's you know information about this that type of you know that's that's the sort of workaround that you can do on, on that sort of thing. It, it's what happens if uh, people create like a plug-in of re- recent search, uh, on-site searches or, or something like that where they're creating links that the spiders go through and then the pages are getting indexed. It, supposedly, with the, it's not supposed to be allowed. It's against Google's terms and conditions somewhere that I haven't read.
1: Well, it's an interesting balancing act, right? Because there are some experiences on a- that require it, right? And I know that I've been involved in a few projects over the years where there's a, you know, self-guided or human-guided navigation that has to basically you, uh, Car Parts is an example, right, where you'd have to basically choose your way into the content. And so, um, you know, within some of those platforms, there's also search pages that end up getting indexed, but they might end up being the better solution, right, in terms of trying to find a page on that platform, because let's say it's the only site that sells a certain color widget. Um, you know, I have seen instances where, and, and I can't, I just can't think of one right now. Um, and I probably wouldn't want to call them out. Uh, but you know, that where these search pages are still, you know, then it becomes almost semantically what is a search page versus what is a dynamically delivered page, right? Yeah and the, and the thing that you've got to also realize is if you're trying or, or if it's
2: happening through some error uh, of what you the way you've got your pages laid out it's going to eat up your crawl budget and you know especially when they come back with results like do you mean or you know suggested searches as as uh, was mentioned in this article by Jen you know it that's going to you know just send the spider down a you know a rabbit hole <laughs> And uh, not get to your real content. So be
1: careful. Poor spider wouldn't yeah. wouldn't get find anything to eat in that rabbit hole. Um, or would it? Uh, it could find some amazing links to related products, and that's another and, and one of, of the problems course. too. That's yeah. the loop, right? That it that it can end up happening.
2: Exactly, and then the other part of it, you know the, the segue here with this is. Google's, you know, possibly um, sunsetting their uh, site search tool. That's you know. That's,
1: that's interesting. Be, I actually hadn't. Maybe maybe I didn't see one way that part. get rid it, of it. Hmm. That's um, actually um, you're you're right. That is the segue because I hadn't seen I hadn't read that article yet. So. Uh Google Site Search is on the way out. Now what? Uh, Paul Shapiro on March twenty second. Um I guess good old ABC dot XYZ made some calls and told Google to do something, or Google still does that on their own. Um they're gonna discontinue sales on April first. Um I don't think this is some elaborate advanced Google uh April Fool's joke, uh, as they are wont to do. Um And then a year later, the service will be completely shut down. Um, And it's interesting because, you know, not to promote Sempo or anything, but I have been on the board for my 11th year now, and one of the exciting things that we're doing this year is that we're adding a special interest group uh, that includes Mike Moran, and he's really involved with, uh, you know, internal search or appliance search. So uh, that's what the special interest group at Sempo is going to be focused on, so It'll be um, now that, you know, site search is gone, um, it maybe will open people's eyes to other platforms that are out there or actually elevate the topic if people are suddenly scrambling for a solution.
2: Yeah. And I mean, without a doubt, if you have a site that has a serious amount of content, you need to have a site search. Because sometimes they end up on a page because of the way that Google particularly ranks that page for something that may not necessarily answer their question. And that site search box is invaluable for you to, you know, for your users to be able to find the content that they want. And it also gives you insights of, of what you may need to add as far as content. You know, you, if, you, if you have site search, you should be using it by looking at what keywords and what searches are being done, how often, you know how close you, know, you may have different wording, but they're you know very largely looking for specific things. So you know making that stuff more uh, available and, and readily accessed is important, so that you know it improves your conversions, improves your sales, and things like that. So you know I believe that everyone that has any decent sized website should have a search box.
1: I hundred percent agree with you, and I thank you for speaking. For that amount of time so that i could nosh some of my amazing toasted sesame seaweed that i'm eating <laughs> um so at that and, and at that uh it's time for me to go fire up the grill and get some dinner ready because it's time for seo rock stars to end for the week but it's been a great set of topics today frank uh, i look forward to chatting with you again next week good sir have a great week rock on everyone